Renaissance Part 1 by Dave Ellis Episode 8 As the week passed, I spent most mornings in the square, climbing my way through the purgatory mountain of Dante and enjoying the atmosphere of warm summer days. As I spent more time in the ancient world and the classical culture, another trip came to mind from the Greek temples in Paestum, in the southern part of Italy. What was once in the Magna Grecia or the Great Greece. When I arrived there late in the evening, I had discovered the fully intact temples in the darkness, under a star-filled sky, and I imagined that this was the exact same site that had been before the eyes of Aristotle, Epicurus, or Pericles. Like looking through two and a half thousand year old eyes. It was chilling. And another little experience from my younger years that had created a connection to the deeper history of my country and of my continent. But then one morning, as I had just gotten a coffee and was looking out at the square, I started doubting myself and the studies and the relevance for today. Was it just a nice fairy tale of romantic historical times or interesting thoughts in an abstract play world, I wondered. I had created these imaginary stories and worlds in my mind and loved spending time in them, elaborating and looking at little details. But suddenly it seemed remote and detached from the present moment, as I was sitting by the table in sunshine. I started to investigate my own motivation and the process of learning. What it did to the mind and whether things were connected to practical everyday considerations or if some or many things were more like hobbies for the brain, like playing a board game or training acrobatics for the thoughts. Immediately, the answers started coming by themselves. How training the brain in itself was useful for all sorts of brain activity, and how I was using the thinking of Aristotle rather than Plato consistently throughout the day. Evaluating options for my life, interpreting people around me, exploring new neighborhoods of a city, finding alternatives for managing personal relationships, creating new opportunities in life, and building the bigger and deeper foundation for my life and experience and the nature of my own thinking. I wanted it to be practical, pragmatic, connected to real experience, and seeking the best possible rather than the perfect. I tried to avoid abstract models for perfection as guiding principles, as they were often by nature a fantasy that could be disconnected and too far removed from the real world. So there was a direct effect from discovering Aristotle to how I would see, perceive, interpret, evaluate, and experience the world. This gave me a feeling of firm footing in one little step. And this was also perhaps the most fundamental one to gain an insight and awareness of the nature of my own thinking, from which the other thoughts would grow and emerge in all other areas of life. This was important, I thought. The brain as a plant, an organic organism, and how to compose your thinking of the right balance of different elements. It would take many years to reach that point. But I now felt a new clarity and recognition of how this process had taken place over the years and the fruits of these efforts.
Perhaps this was a sign that the major process had completed, that I could now sit in the little square, looking at the fountain, and fully reflect on this from the outside. The experience of this was new and almost euphoric. I lifted the cup and smiled a little. This was a surprising discovery and not planned for. And then the brain kept working on the other questions. It became a long morning in splendid weather and people coming and leaving in the cafe. I would consider the wealth of human knowledge I had learned from the classical world and from Dante. I would sometimes think of this to understand a social situation or trying to predict how something would proceed and develop. And it would make it easier and more interesting to meet people, have an informal chat, or engage in deeper discussion about different topics about people, politics, or the world. I had also not fully seen how this knowledge was a repository of useful examples and long-term experience gathered over centuries or millennia. Much of the world had changed, but much of the human nature would remain the same, I thought. And this was before I started to think about the learning from history in itself, the rise and fall of cultures, empires, nations, and the vast variety of dynamics that could also influence the developments in our own times, being used to understand and predict the coming few years in my own life as well. I was living in a sheltered little world in my local square with coffee and sunshine, but I would also spend some time considering the near future for the town and for my country. It was good to prepare, and sometimes also discuss with friends and try to influence the course of events to something good and inspiring for the future. And these were only the first few thoughts that went through my mind as I lifted the cup again and looked at the church front and then the beautiful tree next to the cafe. I felt like there was still so much to learn and the joy of understanding was getting almost addictive. Expanding the mind and perspective was a gift in itself and made the life of the mind even more entertaining and useful. A few dotted clouds were gliding over the skies and some birds were sitting on the church roof. I rested my shoulders again and leaned back in the chair. I had almost finished the purgatory and wanted to read a bit more, but was still caught up in the reflections. Both the knowledge and the thinking had been helpful for me to understand the world and the history, but it had also opened up some new questions for me. How the knowledge was understood in the mind and the effects of expanding my own thinking into new areas of substance and also the brain in itself. I paused a little and then stepped back. I wanted to focus on the culture and history of the past times first, and then explore these other topics. There were still areas and eras of the Roman Empire I needed to know more about. A few more Greek philosophers and myths, and the whole process of resurfacing this knowledge in the Renaissance after being dormant for almost a thousand years. The renewal of this era had generated something new in the 1400s, inspired by the old, but given a new shape and form by the current times at the time. It was a slightly different age, 
and the new arts, literature, and science had emerged as a distinct process in Florence, building on the old, but with an enthusiasm, beauty, and speed that was seldom seen in history. I started to wonder what it had felt like living in those times, as the forces of talent and energy had gathered and multiplied in one little town. Perhaps it was partly that exact feeling that was captured and expressed in the artworks. An emotion of energy, beauty, and exploding optimism for humanity. Perhaps this was something we could learn from the paintings of Botticelli, Da Vinci, Raffaello, or Ghirlandaio, I thought quietly. Maybe this is a secret gift embedded in their works. And then I finally picked up the book again and was ready to read, with a bigger love for history and knowledge than ever before. 